Hey everybody, welcome back to another fine episode of the Wormhole Manifest podcast. Um, today's episode should be out uh, just before the holidays, um, depending on how I can get it edited and uh, get it released. But it's uh, about a week before Christmas here, so this should come out just before then. So look forward to that. I'll be posting about it on, on social media. Um, I'm hoping also to do like a special uh, Christmas episode in there somewhere so everybody can check that out. If it happens, we'll see. <laughs> and I might have like a, a special message to get out there or I may even do some kind of live stream uh, little thing that I may do. We'll see how it goes. But uh, um, let's see. Uh, I'm not going, yeah, I'm not going into these holidays with any pressure, but I do want to provide some cool content that will hopefully, uh, get everybody through the holidays. Um, and also give myself a little downtime between, uh, eating lots of Christmas cookies and drinking eggnog and, uh, watching our favorite, uh, boring Hallmark movies. <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we'll see what, we'll see what, how, how it goes. Uh, in the meantime, uh, welcome again to the Wormhole Manifest podcast, where every week I try to interview a different guest to gain some insight into who they are and what they're into uh, in order to gain some new perspectives in life and to share some cool information with all of you. Um, once your name is on the manifest, the journey through the wormhole will begin, and wherever we come out, it's always sure to be entertaining and an adventure. Um, today, we have someone I've never spoken to in real life, but just for a few brief interactions online, but I'm happy to have them on here. Uh, please bear with me if I stumble over my questions or sound uneducated about, about what we will be discussing. Um, I'm here to learn and be open-minded and hopefully share some things uh, maybe not many of us know. So let's learn together. Um, our guest is a weird worker and has a YouTube channel and a blog, and I hope to learn some things today. So, Jared, your name has been added to the manifest. So once we step through the wormhole, are you ready to share some things with me and the listeners? Absolutely, and thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. Welcome to the show. Um, so you're a weird worker. What is weird? I think that's probably <laughs> going to be the, the most... Uh, asked or sought out question uh, about what this is. I may have heard it before, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm very curious, though. Okay. Um, I want to take a step back and, first of all, just to give your <coughs> viewers, listeners, I guess would be more correct, some context yeah, here. Um, Weird Worker, from my perspective, is a very fancy and particular name name for a witch um because that's also another mm. way that i identify myself is i identify myself as a witch um in the northern tradition the northern european tradition or norse traditions um witches are also called weird workers well what's a weird worker well that's where we're getting to your original question is is what is weird and hmm. weird is this concept of that weird is a cosmic principle that is basically the building blocks of the universe. Um, weird is very similar to the Eastern concept of karma, where you have this idea of cause and effect. You know, an action 
you know, causes other actions oh, wow. and it causes responses. And this is the idea behind weird. And the idea behind weird is, is that you take that to its full level where every action that I take or every and every action that every other person takes helps to build and continue to construct and reconstruct the reality in which we live. Hmm. And this is how weird working becomes a form of witchcraft, because through our rituals and other magical techniques, we, we find other ways to help shape this weird and what it and influence it to change the shape of it overall. Ah, very interesting. So is it like, um, in, I, I've heard of this other thing recently. Um, and it's, it says it's, well, it's called magic, but like they spell it different than the magic that I've been used to with the, um, when I grew up, I played a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons and and things like that, you know, so I had this different mystical idea about what magic was. But like if I'm playing D&D or or Final Fantasy, you know, you're casting spells, you're doing different things like that. But in the past couple of years, I heard this other form where it's it's spelled with a K at the end. It's M-A-G-I-C-K. And I don't know if that's like more of like just a different spelling or if it's a, uh, a a different thought or belief system or, 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 you know, I don't know what the difference. So like with your experience, I mean, have you heard of that where it's called magic, but it's spelled with a K? <laughs> yes, I have. And um, I can speak a little bit to that. Um, Go ahead, man. Yeah. Um, to, to understand where this magic with a K came from, is um, it was actually something introduced by the occultist Aleister Crowley, um, which a uh, lot of people have heard of. And yeah. he chose it because um, Crowley had a numerological system that he was very interested in and pushed. And adding the K made the word magic add up to certain values with certain meanings in his numerological system. And um, Crowley mm. has highly influenced the occult and even the witchcraft communities ever since then. You know, a lot of, you know, the um, what's called Wicca out there is influenced by it. So you will see a lot of, you know, Wiccans and other pagans also spelling magic with a K. And that's mostly, again, because it comes from Crowley you know, and his influences on the overall pagan occult and witchcraft communities. So hmm. um, I personally do not spell magic with a K um, because I am not a Crowleyite. I am not a, um, or um, I do not belong to the system, the occult system that he developed, which is, I believe, pronounced Thelema. Um, I could be mispronouncing that, though, so... Uh, yeah. yeah, Thelema. Yes. I, I think I, I just Googled that real quick, and it's... Uh... Yeah. And it's it's like magic, and then parentheses dilemma or yes. you know t h e l e m a. Yes. Um, wow, but, that's that's really interesting because I think wasn't uh, I want to say Alistair Crowley? I, I'm not sure a hundred percent. And and this is something I actually was thinking of asking you, but I didn't write it down um, because you just reminded me that went by mentioning uh, Crowley was that um, <clears throat> in your opinion. I want to find out because I've I've owned this book, this copy of the Necronomicon um, for many, many years. And 
I think the introduction to it was by Crowley. I, I think like in the very, it's like you, you've probably heard of the Necronomicon, the the book by the Book of the Dead, the the one that was by the the Mad Arab um, Abdul Ahazred. Um, and he, it's got like all kinds of like incantations and, and various stories and, and things in it. I haven't read it through <laughs> thoroughly. <laughs> like, um, I was kind of scared of it actually, you know, for the longest time, because I'm like, you know, I, I heard a lot of rumors back. I, I probably got it maybe 25 years ago or something like that, at least. Um, and I've just held on to it in my book collection but people are like, yeah, if you, even if you own a copy, that's like a curse on you or something like that, you know? And I'm like, um, well, it was produced by like an actual book, like, you know, like, a, what do you call it? Like the books that come out from various uh, authors, they have them published, you know, by different publishers. And, and it seemed to be a legit <laughs> publisher. And I was like, I don't think there's anything but paper and, and ink and <laughs> people get some wild ideas um i will say up front i have never read any version of the necronomicon and um, based on things that i've been told by people there are actually many different versions of it in many different books by that title that say different things um hmm. and as for owning a copy um all of them are perfect perfectly safe you know i mean you know as you said they're books they're 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 paper with they're made of paper with ink on them there's nothing special about them there's no you know demons attached to them you know that's that's you know um to put it bluntly that's some conservative christian fear-mongering at its heart yeah that's what that's (laughs) what i figured i mean the place that i found it at like was actually like this really cool store that i used to go to in the city um when i was younger and there was like it was a it was like down the street from like several pawn shops that I used to go to. So it was in this area that was like a lot of, you know, a lot of pawn shops and a lot of, uh, it it was, it wasn't a very, I guess it was kind of a poor area. You know, there wasn't like a lot of, you know, rich things going on around there or fancy restaurants or anything, but like, it was kind of a cool place to hang out. And this one store there was like, I think it was called like wizard's world or something like that. And it was just, they had, tons of cool stuff in there and i was like very interested in all of it but i had no idea about any of it either you know and when i saw that book they had one copy of the necronomicon just a small paperback it wasn't like the one from like ash versus evil dead or you know it wasn't like bound in flesh (laughs) (laughs) which you know i still would have bought it (laughs) even if it was like but, uh, you know, I'm like, hey, cool, I'm going to get this. And then, like, other friends of mine back then were all, like, you know, teenagers. And they're like, oh, my God, you can't have that. You know, like, I heard about that. And it's like, you'll be cursed if you have it. And I'm like, whatever, you know, just, you know, because it was like the, the area I lived in, the way that I grew up was pretty conservative Christian and, you know, all that. So I was not buying into all the fear mongering and everything, you know, I was very on the edge. I was a skateboarder kid, you know, so I was like punk rock and heavy metal and skate or die. And you know, like, and I was like, I'm going to get into whatever I'm most interested in. If it seemed cool, I'm going to learn about it. And that's all we could do is just keep learning. Right. Now, but, uh, now I, I, I will say on the flip side, um, you know, like I said, you know, owning a copy and even reading it, you know, no big deal. Now, from what I understand, and again, I'm going based on what other people have told me, you know, 
doing some of the things that it recommends, you might want to take a little caution. And um, one of the exa- right, right. One, one of the examples that I was given is, and I believe it was by one of the Wiccan elders I used to talk with on a regular basis, is, is in at least one version of the book, there's this description of this ritual to basically go deep within yourself and find this, this trunk where your deepest fears are locked away. And hmm. open up that, you know, open up that trunk and release that fear. And, you know, and of course, you know, the elders point, and I tend to agree with them is, is, well, you better make sure you're prepared for that before you decide to do that. And, you know, you're ready to deal with that fear before you just, you know, unleash it into your life, you know. And that's, right. you know, so, so in that sense, you know, and there's a lot of things about that in various forms of witchcraft, including my own practices that, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's. It's safeish, but there are things that you could do that you might want to be prepared for before you dive right in. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense yeah. too. Because I mean, it's that's that's that seems logical. That seems like you know, careful and 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 you know, safety is paramount kind of thing. You know, like I, I used to work on airplanes for a majority of my life, so it's like you don't go into it you know, half cocked and be like, I'm going to start ripping out parts and, and replacing things before you actually read the technical manual and know what you're doing. And, you know, you kind of, and, and that applies to everything in life. You know I mean? Like right now I work on computers. So it's like, I don't, when somebody brings me their computer and it's busted and there's something wrong with it, I don't just start ripping parts out of it first. You know, I start, I, I go slow. I've got like a checklist and I, I do things the logical methodical way of making sure I can troubleshoot it the right way without going too far or doing a bunch of unnecessary work, you know, it's going to cost me time. And, you know, and that's, I think what we should do with any kind of belief system or, or practice, you know, is like, just think about it first and go through it in a, in a method, you know, in a safe way and, and all that. And that makes total sense. And yeah, I've, I've looked at the number Necronomicon and I've read it, uh, I've read through different things and different parts here and there. And I'm like, wow, this sounds kind of crazy. Like, I don't think I would, you know, my common sense tells me that even if it has no valid, you know, realistic thing in this world, like if there's nothing real about it whatsoever, I still don't want to mess with it because I don't know, you know, and you see that in TV shows and movies all the time. People like go barging into places and they start doing things and moving stuff and, you know, bringing things back with them from other planets or wherever they're doing. You know, like It's crazy. It's like you got to put a little caution in there, you know, like let's do things a little safer and kind of slow down and take it easy and be like, let's think about this for a minute. What could what? What are the repercussions if we do this? You know? Oh, absolutely. So like what, what got you into all this? Like, um, like, I guess, how'd you start out with this? Is it like just the, did you grow up with it or was it something you got to in later in life? You know, like I said, I'm kind of Christian born and raised, but like, I don't practice now. I'm, I'm pretty much, I want to say I'm an atheist, but I'm not like, I don't, I, I don't want to. I don't want to attach myself to any one thing, you know, like I'm not, I'm not like one particular thing. I don't, it's not that I don't believe in God. It's just that I may not believe in the God that 
most Christians out there believe in. I believe that there's probably many things out there that I just don't know or understand, but I'm not willing to accept that one thing is is more real over another, you know, so I'm still kind of finding out. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, and I'll, I'll try to keep the story short, but I actually started out my life as an evangelical Christian. You know, I grew up in a Baptist church um, when I was in college. I spent, you know, my four years in college going to a, um, what most people would call a um, Pentecostal or charismatic church. Um, the church actually called itself full gospel. And um, honestly, I couldn't tell you what the distinction between those two groups are. You know, from my perspective, they're all basically the same. You know, they believe in speaking in tongues. You know, they believe in you know, things like being slain in the spirit. I don't know if you're familiar with that practice or not, you know, where the minister, you know, touches you on the forehead and, you know, and you're overtaken by the spirit and you fall backwards and, you know, onto the ground. And... <laughs> I, I've seen it. I've seen it in movies, but I've seen some of that stuff in, in real life because um, when I was a young Marine, because I, I joined the Marines when I was about 19 and the first place, one of the first schools I went to, I went to Cherry Point, North Carolina, and one of the guys that was there helping me out was an older Marine and he invited me to his church, you know, cause they were trying to, they were big on recruiting young, young troops to go to their church while they were there being trained. And so I fell for it <laughs> and I went to his church and my God, it was the like weirdest experience I've ever had in my life. It was lots of speaking in tongues and and jumping around and people were 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 falling over and and all kinds of stuff and I had never seen anything like that in my life yeah. and it was yeah very weird yeah some <laughs> so, some of those services do get wild um you know the church I went to their services tend to be tended to be a little more tame than that you know yes there were times you know when suddenly you know people were you know singing and praying and you know in tongues you know and doing their own thing but you know it wasn't you know jumping around in the aisles or anything. You know, most people, you know, stood in place doing this and, um, you know, might have been, you know, very difficult if you were trying to follow what people were saying, you know, but, you know, it wouldn't be quite that same level of chaos that it sounds like you experienced. And I know other people have experienced in, you know, more chaotic, you know, Pentecostal churches. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting how even, even in that, you know, realm, there's, you know, a um spectrum if you want to say it, of mm. you know behavior and whatnot you know so uh, but yeah so you know, i started out evangelical christian um and basically when i was a teenager i realized that i liked other boys um i have since come out as gay in fact i finally came out my senior year in college just before i graduated from college i almost didn't graduate um in fact and um you know probably should warn your, your, your listeners about this, but, um, I almost didn't survive, you know, and I ended up coming out mm. and, um, you know, I went through, I spent about two years where I tried to keep both my Christian faith and embrace my sexuality. And a lot of people are very successful at that. And I don't want to take anything away from that, from them, you know, and their accomplishments whatsoever. It did not work for me. Um, I realized after about two years that I needed a clean break because, you know, the religion I was, was brought up when had completely poisoned me. And if I was ever going to be able to see myself mm. as a valuable and worthwhile human being, 
I had to find a different path. I, I had to make a clean break from the Christian mm-hmm. religion. And, and again, like I said, that was just my choice. This is not a, you know, all Christianity is bad, you know, moment or anything like that. This is, this right, is what I had right. to do. Um, I had, during that two-year period, made a number of friends. Um, a lot of them were either atheists or Wiccans. And I had one friend who actually lived in Georgia. I only knew her online, although I did eventually get a chance to go down to Georgia and meet her in person, which was an absolutely awesome visit. Um, but wow. she was one of the Wiccans I knew and she, and, you know, basically one night I asked, it's like, you know, I'd like to actually learn more about your religion. I don't really know much about it. And, um, so she recommended a book to me. Um, is there any reason I can't give the title of the book? No. Um, it's a very well-known book on the topic. It's, uh, it's called, um, Wicca, a guide for the solitary practitioner. And it was written by a man named Scott Cunningham who also happened to be gay. Um, sadly, he is no longer with us. He has since passed on. But, you know, and um, I fell in love with this book in many ways. And I just realized that, you know, this was more the correct path for me. Um, now, I will note that, you know, I am not Wiccan um, because it wasn't quite the right path for me. But that's what got me started. And I started exploring different things. I started, you know, I started with Wicca. I explored Druidry. Um, I explored Norse Reconstructionism. And I eventually realized that, you know, I am a Norse witch, or as I like to say, a weird worker who is devoted to the goddess Freya. Hmm. And um, that's the very cliff note version of a much longer story that took <laughs> many years. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, like, I mean, it's it just sounds like it's one of those, you know, the path to like discovery of, you know, finding out, you know, yeah, those it's it's very deep. I mean, I, I have similar uh, tales of me getting to where I'm at, you know, and it's just like a go on forever, you know, like telling it, but like to sum it all up. I mean, no, that was, that was great, man. Like I, I appreciate you sharing that information. That's like a, uh, you know, it, it, it brings a lot to mind, um, about different things as far as like, you know, like, like I said, I was brought up kind of Christian and, and, and my mom was, one that would do things like speak in tongues and whatnot. Okay. But like, I, I more or less related it to like mental illness, you know, because there was a lot of other very obscure things that she did, you know, and it was just like, we went to all different kinds of churches. She, when I was very little, she dragged me around with her, you know, like I was her baby boy. Like I was the youngest of seven kids and, and most of her children uh, up to that point had been taken away from her and put into foster homes. Um, and so all my brothers and sisters that are older all grew up in different places. And I was the only one that, you know, was brought up at home. So like she held on to me and, and, drag me around with her to all these different things that she was getting into at the time. And got, I got to witness a lot of very, very different things that, you know, probably a lot of my friends, you know, didn't experience. So it's like, um, and, and I had to like, uh, you know, she babied me quite a bit and I, and I was also very sick as a child. So like I had to eventually break away from my mother and find my own path kind of thing, you know, like, and, uh, 
so like I can kind of relate in a way, but I can, there was a lot of mental anguish and things going on because I had random brothers and sisters from different households coming into our house once in a while. And it was just very, you know, just a lot to deal with, you know, like, and I was my own self and I was going to school and I was, I was doing terrible in school too. Um, and I ended up dropping out in like seventh grade, um, because of all the turmoil that was going on at home. My, my dad was an alcoholic and Mm. just, just all kinds of crazy stuff. So it was just, uh, you know, you're, you know, you can go on and on and on about like how, what, what brought you to this point today. Um, I appreciate meeting you and, and knowing that there's another person out there who probably had like, you know, you dealt with your own things too, coming up to where you are. And I can, I can just, I commend you for, um, for being who you are because it's, I look out there and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of like, especially with Christianity in itself, it seems like there's just a lot of, uh, I mean, my, my, my thought process has been that that Christianity for the longest time has killed more people in this world than any other religion known to man, like in the history of our planet. And it's, it just seems like, why would I want to be a part of something that's about this kind of control where you're not free to be yourself? And, and I can see that with other people, them having a difficult time, um, being who they truly are, if it is something that's slightly different than what that like faith or religion uh, believes in. And, and especially with, like you mentioned being gay, like there's, I was brought up thinking that, you know, I was told that, you know, don't be gay. You know, that's just, it's like something, (laughs) it's just like, why would you tell anybody not to be who they are? You know? And I've, and, and even being, a person that like joined the military, you know, was during that time of the whole don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. And, and that was very like, I just, I didn't get it. You know, like I was like, if you want to be who you are, because before I joined the military, I worked plenty of different jobs and I worked with plenty of people that were like LGBTQ before the the letters and, <laughs> and all that, you know, and it's like, you just knew. And, and, and they were to me just another person and we're different. And it was, you know, I, I accepted it, I think. And it was like, then they go in, I go into the military and they're like, yeah, if you're like, if you think this way, just don't tell anybody. <laughs> it's like, why, you know, like I, but like, I mean, if I'm not used to talking about this kind of subject matter. So like, if I do do or say anything that offends you, just let me know. And I will correct myself because I want to, uh, you know, definitely be open-minded and, right. and all that. And, you know, so, but like, uh, let's see, where should we go from here? You know, there's just a lot of stuff we can talk about. Um, do you, so with the, with the whole thing, Oh, here's something I wanted to mention. Um, with what I've heard in the past is like, there's a difference between witches and warlocks. Is that something that even applies today or is it like, <laughs> is that even this is a um somewhat complex topic um there okay there 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 is the common view among 
pagans and witches, and then there are a few dissenting views. Um, the most common view that, you know, especially was popular in the 70s, 80s, and I'd even say 90s, is that um, warlock was a dirty word. And the reason for that is that warlock, according to the most popular etymology of the word, actually means oathbreaker. And a warlock, according to this explanation, was thought to have been someone who betrayed his oaths to his coven and betrayed his coven. And that can be oh, wow. right up into including back, you know, during the times when, you know, witches were per- persecuted, you know, reporting your other coven members, you know, to the religious and government authorities to be persecuted and prosecuted for witchcraft. Um, wow. So, and in this way of thinking, um, regardless of gender or lack thereof, because let's not forget the binary and agender people. Right, um, right. They, them. Yep. You know, everybody is a witch. Now, there have been some men in some communities that have decided that, no, they actually do want to reclaim that word warlock, and they do identify themselves as warlocks. So, you know, so like I said, it gets complicated, and I've heard some people challenge the etymology and that actually warlock comes from the, from the name, and I forget what the name is, but it's an um, Old Norse term that Hmm. is um, the name for a summoning song for summoning spirits for certain Norse practices of witchcraft. And, you know, some have theorized that, you know, the name of the song, you know, was transferred to the name of the practitioners and the practitioners came to be known by the same word. And as that went into the um, English language, it became, you know, rendered warlock. Um, so, like I said, there are some different opinions. Um, largely, like I said, the most popular opinion and view you're going to hear is, is that warlock is an oathbreaker. You know, don't call male witches or anyone else a warlock. Um, and I would recommend that too. You know, unless someone actually identifies a, as a warlock, yeah. Um, if you call them a warlock, they will probably take it as an insult. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> or at least correct you. Well, and and that that makes sense. That's why I want to, you yeah. know. That's why I asked, because I was like, I definitely want to know so that if it's, you know, something that comes up in the future, you know, and, and that was just based on something I had thought of like a long time ago. Like I hadn't even thought of it in a long time, but I was like, I think me and my wife were talking about, I was like, what are, isn't there, you know, aren't male witches called warlocks? And I was like, I think I heard that before, but like, wasn't sure. So I was like, let's, let's bring that up and let's get some clarification, you know? So that makes sense, um, especially because like it's why would you even, you know, especially nowadays with, you know, you never know. Um, well. Um, oh, crap. Where was I going? Um, so what about like practices and things like that as far as like, um, oh, this is something I was just watching an X-Files episode last night uh, and it was it, it kind of reminded me that I was going to have you on here today uh, that the during the episode oh man did i write it down uh where'd it go oh yeah there it is um so yeah this this guy i guess he was like an appalachian man he in this episode was like season seven episode something uh 
more to go. Uh, season seven, episode 14. And I'm a big X-Files fan. Cause I mean, I love sci-fi and I've been into X-Files. I started when X-Files first premiered the first day in 1993, I had my VCR ready and I was like going to record it. Cause I had been reading about the show coming up and I'm like, Ooh, that sounds really cool. I want to start taping every episode. Cause that's just how I was back then. You know, I was like record everything cool. That's new. That's coming out that I'm going to be into so I can have it forever and keep watching it. <laughs> Meanwhile, digital everything in computers has come about and like now you can just download whatever you want and, and view it. So I've got like stacks of videotapes, you know, in a storage <laughs> unit. <laughs> and like most of them probably don't even work anymore because it's like so long. But uh that uh that episode it reminded me uh, I was like there was this Appalachian man and he was performing these hexes on people. Uh there was like a doctor and he was like I guess the doctor was responsible for like killing his daughter or something and so he made these small dolls like these poppets or something okay and like put a he put like a picture and a piece of hair and like a drop of blood of the person that he was going to hex in there i'm like is there like from your experience is there any kind of like like uh relevance to that whatsoever is that like even real is that something that can be done or is it like just made up for a TV show. <laughs> um, I'm not sure about in the Appalachian context. Um, Appalachian folk magic is a thing. It mm. is a practice unto itself, and it's one that I absolutely that I know absolutely nothing about. Um, I I will be honest with you. Um, poppets, from what I've heard and what I know. I've always thought of as more of it as a um, African tradition, you know, from like hmm. Voodoo or Santeria or Candomblé, which is the, um, I believe that one is from Brazil. Um, and those traditions, yes, do involve hexing and cursing. And really just about all witchcraft traditions had the capability of doing this. Um, they may not necessarily oh, wow. do it the way that, you know, it was depicted in this show. Um, you know, in fact, you know, one of the things that, you know, again, one of the Wiccan elders that I knew, um, you'll find that while I'm not Wiccan, I've had, I've been influenced by a lot of, you know, Wiccan people that I've met, um, especially people who are initiates of like, you know, traditional covens, like, you know, the Gardnerian tradition or Alexandrian tradition. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, I've learned from some of them is an is a very hard position that a witch who cannot hex cannot heal. Hmm. You have to be capable of doing both, even if you only focus on the healing and the positive. And for the most part, most of us do. Um, you know, there, there there's some shading there. You know, I, I will say that, you know, I have done baneful magic or hexing. Um, I have done it extremely rarely. In fact, I can probably only think of like two or three times that I've done it um, because it's not something that I enjoy doing it. And it's not something that I want to dedicate my life to doing, you know, it's um, and I think um, I'll, I'll mention this. There is a great quote that actually talks about this consideration um, that um, Kvedolf Gunderson, who is, again, practices magic in a Norse context. Um, and is very well known because um, he actually 
is one of the people who was key in the founding and development of materials for the Asatru organization, the Troth. And in one of his recent books, um, I believe it was the Teutonic Way Magic, he described this thinking as, you know, that you, you have to be able to take this position if you're going to do baneful magic. That And I'm paraphrasing here, so this is not an exact quote, but I, it's close enough to, <laughs> that it gets his message across that, you know, yes, I have chosen to cause harm, but I am doing this in the hopes of preventing a greater harm. And I realize I may be working my own doom in the process. Hmm. And um, I, I found that very appealing myself because that's my attitude that, yes, there are times when the best choice for me is to do something, you know, negative to stop a, you know, something even worse from happening or, you know, to prevent someone else from doing something even worse. But I have to be prepared to accept any consequences and, you know, that fall out for that for me, you know? Hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, too, because it's like, you know, kind of like what we were talking about earlier was like when you like with reading a book or, you know, whatever, it's like you, you have to use your best judgment um, and, and also realize that there can be consequences depending on what it is. And that's everything. I think even like scientists and and things, you know, like if you're performing an experiment, you know, you got to look at all the variables, got to look at all the possibilities and like you know, or even like a doctor, if, you know, you're trying to save someone's life, you know, and if it's uh, kind of like in that X-Files episode, I think that was the thing was like the doctor was trying to save this girl's life, but he realized that he wasn't going to be able to do it. So what he did was he administered more uh, morphine to relieve the pain. And it basically ended up like euthanizing her because you know, it was too much, but she was in so much pain. There was right. it's like a balance, you know, like you, what do you do in that kind of thing? And what do you do with any kind of scenario or situation or, or practice or, or anything, you know, it's like, you got to use your, your best judgment and kind of make a call and say, you know, this is what I think is the best thing to do in this situation. And, and that's what, you know, yeah. and, and that's the, the thing with like being, for me, being a Marine, a former Marine, um, you know, our thing was improvise, adapt and overcome, you know, that was like our motto was like, no matter what the situation is, you have to take in as much information as you can make the best decision and then perform to your best ability to, to get through whatever it is that you need to get through, uh, to, to make it to the next day <laughs> to, right. to, or, or to accomplish the mission kind of thing. Right. But, uh. So, yeah, it, it all makes sense. Um, uh, we're going to take a break real quick. I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but like every 30 minutes or so, I'd like to take a quick break uh, just so I can split the recording and stuff like that. Um, and then we will come right back. Everybody stay tuned out there. Uh, we will be right back and uh, listen to my cool sponsored um, ad for Anchor.fm. <laughs> Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to the Wormhole Manifest podcast. Um, I'm here with Jared, and we've been talking about uh, various things. 
Uh, we were talking about the weird, the witchcraft and witches. And I mentioned some things about like an X-Files episode and, uh, and Jared's just been kind of schooling us on all these different things that I don't know about. And, and maybe you don't either. So, you know, let's continue back into some of that stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to ask as far as like the practice of witchcraft goes, um, and we talked a little bit about like hexes and, and the traditions there and places in the world. And there's like spells and I guess incantations and things like that. Um, where in all of that comes the things that have to do with the earth itself? Like as far as like astrology, like in, where we are in the universe and like the solstices and the position of the moon and all that, like, can you enlighten us a little bit about some of that because i have always heard like now is coming into like the the winter solstice and things like that but like i don't i never i i i took like one class of astronomy i think it was in in college um but and then i know several people that are into astrology which is like reading like the 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 planets and and your your uh what do you call it like your your sign like i'm a gemini because i was born yep. in june um and and all that um does does any of that play into like some of the stuff that that you're into like how much do you know about that like um i i, I don't i know a little bit about <laughs> a lot of different topics yes um <laughs> i i think one of the things to be helpful here is that um first of all the definition of witchcraft is very loose um you know, I, I tend to define witchcraft as um, any magical practice can potentially be witchcraft. Um, now, you have to be careful with uh, that. Um, there are magical traditions out there, especially, say, the African magical traditions that do not wish to be referred to as witchcraft. Um, and there are a number of reasons for that. And I understand their and I understand their reasons. Um, you know, um, a big one is, is that because, you know, white witches, like white people in general, tend to be very appropriative. And you want to basically go, oh, this is a neat thing out of your culture. Let me grab it and make it my own, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and they are very, you know, understandably upset about that. Um, the flip side to that is that a lot of this has to do with colonization, that witchcraft is a European word, and that Christians mm. decided that, you know, all witchcraft is evil, and they started mm. taking Christianity back into Africa and other places, you know, where non-white people lived, and looking at their spiritual practices and their magical practices and saying, well, that's evil, that's witchcraft, um, and, you know, so, you know, again, you know, non-white people, especially black people took great offense to this, understandably. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, they, they don't want to be associated with that. Um, the one downside of that, that I do find is, is a lot of non-white people, you know, have accepted that, you know, Christian idea that, you know, witchcraft is inherently bad. So there's, you know, sometimes this knee jerk reaction of, well, my thing's not witchcraft because it's not evil. And it's like, well, I do practice witchcraft, and I practice a North European version of witchcraft, and it's not evil either. 
or at least not inherently evil. I mean, you know, they're, you know, witches are, a, you know, witches are a complex topic, even historically. And, you know, not all witches have been pleasant people. And, you know, and honestly, they, there's always been some level of distrust, you know, um, even yeah. when they were not outright hated, you know, for example, you know, the Spaconas, which are a type of magical practitioners, you know, in Northern Europe, particularly like Iceland, Greenland, and those areas, you know, um, you know, they mm. traveled and their services were greatly valued by the village when they came around. And, you know, they, you know, the village would, you know, seek out these groups, you know, help. But then they expected them to leave before nightfall because they didn't, the village didn't want these people <laughs> in, in their village after night, you know, because, you know, who knows what else they would do because, you know, um, <laughs> witches in general tend to not live within the bounds of typical um, civilization. You know, they, they, you know, we, we are very much the type that says, yeah, I'm not sure I buy that particular social norm, I, or I, I don't think I should hold to it as tightly as, you know, someone might say I should. And that that tends to scare people. And, and, and you know, we're empowered to do that. And that kind of scares people. It's like, you know, when you realize it's like, you know, yeah, you love that power when you want, you know, when you want the help. But you're afraid yeah. of what, you know, one might do with that power otherwise when they're not helping you so <laughs> I, I get it it's like i said it's it's a very complicated relationship um anyways sorry that was a bit of a tangent um no that, that was good it's very informative <laughs> it makes sense <laughs> but witches are also very utilitarian um we love our tools and we love picking up our tools and i'm not just talking like physical tools like you know our ceremonial blades i'm talking our tools like you know um astrology you know, um, is astrology witchcraft? No. There are people who do astrology of all religions and of all spiritual and magical practices. But do some witches make use of astrology in their practice? Absolutely. So, um, so that's the first thing I'd say. You know, there's there's a lot of things. You know, I I I'd throw tarot in that same. You know same category you know the, the two groups that seem to you know you know use the tarot most often in my experience are witches and catholics and of course those two groups are not mutually exclusive there are catholic witches hmm. you know rome would like to <laughs> deny that fact and whatnot but you know yeah. yeah there are catholic witches i've met a couple um wow um, certain forms of witchcraft, and a lot of them do tend to revere nature, um, you know, and especially the cycles, because, you know, um, witchcraft, like a lot of, you know, earlier, you know, spiritual traditions, and again, not all witchcraft is spiritual, but, you know, I have to be honest, I am a theistic witch, I do believe in gods, so... You know, my, my viewpoint tends to be from that point of view. Um, this is where I will mention, you know, the famous old saying that, you know, ask 12, which is the same question. You'll get 13 answers. And um, to go back to the astrology thing, I'll say you'll get even more if any of those witches, ha witches happen to be Geminis. <laughs> because I have yet to meet a Gemini that can settle on a single answer. Yeah. And yeah. I fit. And, and that's. I fit, like, I fit that description. I fit that description. So you're a Gemini too? Yes. Um, 
I, I, I sometimes like in, in some of my, it's funny, like just brief note on that. Like as far as being a Gemini, like my wife and I are both Geminis. So sometimes it's like living in a house with four people yeah. instead of just a couple, you know, cause there's like it, especially when I was going through a lot of my like very difficult, like disassociative, like mindset, uh, like mental health problems. Like there was times where I was not myself, you know, there was someone else there in control doing things. And, you know, it, it was, <laughs> it made things very difficult. Like when you're, when, uh, you know, like me and my wife get along for the most part, right. but when, when we are the other halves of ourselves, then there's <laughs> just like, just constant, like butting heads on things because it's, it's, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's like four different, it's like, it's like two couples living here <laughs> instead of one. It's very, it, it was difficult in the past, you know, it's getting better now, but, uh, you know, I've kind of got my other half, my, my Jekyll and Hyde kind of part, you know, yeah. <laughs> under wraps and getting, getting, uh, getting taken care of. So we're working things out a lot better these days, yeah. but, uh, it's definitely rough sometimes, but yeah. yeah, Gemini's, I think I've met a few here and there that did seem very different at times when just, just different moments of the day. Just, it just seems yeah. like different people, you know, and it's, and it's true. It's just, it's very odd. You know? yeah. Well, the the other thing you have to keep in mind is is um traditionally Gemini's have also been described as the journalists. You know, they're the type of hmm. people who want to know everything. They want to see everything from every point of view possible. You know, they're not happy yeah. to know just, you know, one way of looking at things. You know, they they want to pick it up and, you know, turn it around, look at it from this direction, and then they want to look at it from this direction. If, and if there's a completely different way of looking at it, you know, maybe, you know, a microscope or, you know, you know, or through yeah, infrared, yeah. you know, they want to do that. You know, they, they don't want to just take one point and be done with it. They, they want to explore everything fully. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Take it to the deepest, like, yeah. Uh, possible imagination of, of the, yeah, just whatever angle that could possibly. And, and, and I, yeah, I, wow. <laughs> I've, I definitely relate with that because that's me. Like I, I am a, uh, I'm definitely a tinkerer, you know, like and by trade, I've I always, even as a kid, I remember taking things apart, like dissecting things like a vacuum cleaner or a, a boom box radio, you know, just like that's right. what, you know, I'm like, how does this work? You know, I want to know, I want to see inside of it, you know, like where, you know, <laughs> What is going on? <laughs> right. It's very, very curious. <laughs> but um, as for the nature stuff, you know, um, you know, a lot of these traditions, you know, draw on observation of the physical world around us. And, you know, and there's a lot of things, you know, and one of the big things they notice and, you know, we notice is, is, you know, there are cycles and we see cycles everywhere. You know, whether you're talking about the cycle of the moon you know, the cycle of the seasons, the cycle of the day, you know, there's all these cycles. And, you know, if you look at your own lives and, you know, our own experiences, you know, there's cycles, you know, there's the emotional cycles we go through and everything else. And um, this becomes a huge um, system of interconnectedness and 
know, patterns, you know, that reflect each other that, you know, a lot of which is drawn, you know, and find meaning mm-hmm. through. So, and a lot of it is, is because, you know, you know, you, you, you can burn a book, you can burn a book and the information in that book is lost. But granted, we're, we're kind of trying to prove this wrong too, but you know, for the most part, as an individual, we can't destroy the seasonal cycle, you know? You know, nature is with us, you know, you, you know, you know, you can always, you know, you can always go and find more rocks to look at, you know, you can look at a stream again or a different stream, you know, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, these are things that are always with us and, you know, and always we can look back at and rediscover the same things. So, and, um, a lot, and I tend to agree with that viewpoint, a lot view that, you know, this is why things keep cropping up and you'll notice a lot of patterns and, you know, especially, you know, different, you know, um, indigenous traditions and everything, you know, you know, common themes keep popping up because, well, you know, we all live in the same world. Um, yeah. and this is where I get, and this is where a lot of, you know, my own religious pluralism comes from is that I always say, you know, there's nothing unique in my religious beliefs. There's absolutely nothing unique. Everything I believe you can find someplace else in a different religion, or you can find it in a, you know, atheistic philosophy, you know, humanist philosophy. What makes my religion unique is how it chooses to express those ideas. And it expresses it in a way that very much, you know, resonates with me personally. Yeah. And, you know, resonates with other people who follow the same practices I do. And, you know, and I can eat, and this is where I can easily acknowledge, well, maybe, you know, a different philosophy or a different religion expresses those same things in a, in an equally unique way that resonates with other people. And I'm okay with that. Hmm. I'm okay with that. And that's where, you know, I'm personally, you know, more concerned about, you know, okay, what does this, you know, I don't care so much about, okay, what does this person believes as what does this person value? Hmm. You know, what's important to them? You know, um, you know what, and that eventually goes down to, okay, you know, what, what, what's their idea of what's right and wrong, you know? And there's even room for disagreement yeah. in there, you know, it's, you know, we, we, we all tend to prioritize things slightly different, but, you know, th- there are definitely, right. you know, clear things that, you know, okay, you know, hopefully we all value human life, you know, we hopefully, you know, at least my, you know, I'm a very big, you know, personal autonomy, you know, personal autonomy is to me, you know, um, you know, the only religion I cannot accept and stand is authoritarian religion because it is hostile to personal autonomy. Hmm. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, that, wow. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's it, it. I think we kind of align on, on a lot of that. Um, it's yeah. There's so many like religions and, and, and when I grew up as, christian being taught like I, I went to like a lutheran grade school so it was taught like every day we had religion class and we were taught stories from the bible and and whatnot and and i think it does it everything kind of like teaches the same general thing like majority religions are like you know if you boil it down to its 
bare, like, you know, basic, most basic thing is like, do the right thing, be a good person mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know, no matter what it is. And, 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 and that follows, it's not even, not even religions, but like most stories or, or parables or, yeah. or, or things that we, we read or that authors have written over time. They're most, most stories out there that we have in, in our culture as humans are mostly like stories of like hope and, uh, stories of, you know, uh, how to better ourselves and things like that. You know, it's like, that's kind of like the, the thing that orients most things, but like, it's when you get to the, like you said, the author- authoritarian kind of thing, you know, there's, it's just like, it's my way or, you know, it's this way and you must follow it, you know? And, and there's like movies about that. There's like those apocalyptic, like dystopian future type things that are showing that like, if we don't change our ways now, this is how things are going to turn out in our future, you know, like, and it's, there's a lot of those stories too, but they're like warnings. They're, they're based on those other ideas of just be a good person, right. just do what's right, you know, but what is right, what is wrong. And and like you said, there's, there's different, it, it is, it's about what you value as a person. And, and I think the thing that most of us, even no matter what background we come from, you know, unless you're that far gone as like a, you know, and I and I even hesitate to say anything like that, but there's some people that may be in like an institution or something who have an idea that they they want world destruction or or things that are just totally chaotic and and insane and, and whatnot, you know, but it's I, I I hesitate because I'm like, do those people really exist? I mean, I know in our history of humans, there's been like serial killers and all kinds of just mass murderers and things like that. But part of me is like, maybe that person just has like a mental illness or there's some other, I I don't want to excuse the actions, but I think there's something there that can tell us why it happened kind of thing. You know, like there's, there's, it's not to excuse it because yes, it was wrong. You know, like people like now, like recently people going in shooting up schools and stuff. That's, that's not, that's not cool. You know, (laughs) I I just talked to my, my, my own kids the other day about the, the last school shooting that we've had. And I'm like, that is just not, it's not okay. Like there's obviously there was something wrong with that child took the gun into the school and did this action. Like he fulfilled the action. He went through the whole process. He acquired, I mean, he had a gun that was given to him by his parents, you know, as a Christmas gift. And then he acquired ammunition online or something, you know, and his school tried to contact the parents and the parents dismissed it and told the kid not to get caught, you know? So it's like, where was that huge disconnect? You know, obviously, the parents not talking to the kid about whatever the kid's mental health issues are, you know, to address these issues, but they're condoning it at the same time saying like, yeah, you go, you're like, we're going to get you a gun and whatever, you know, I'm like, this is insane. This is not right. You know, this is something that should not happen. So I was talking to my kids about it and I'm like, I'm like, look, you know, if, (laughs) 
It's like if you have some issues where you, if you ever feel like you want to go into a school and start like shooting your friends and stuff, please <laughs> let's talk first. Like, let's figure out why you feel like this, because that is not OK. You know, like and, and that's what more parents out there, I feel, should be doing with their kids, because I mean, I don't want to get into like gun rights and gun laws and all that stuff, you know, on, on this podcast. But like, I mean, I may in the future, I'm a trained Marine. So like I have shot every weapon known and I'm very good at it. You know, do I own a weapon? No, I don't. Do I feel like I need to? No, I don't really, because unless the shit hits the fan and there's like a zombie apocalypse going on outside, I can acquire weapons when I need to. I don't need to own them already and have them in my home to become a potential threat in the future in my local community. You know, it's like I know where the local National Guard armory is. So when the zombies do come out, I know how to get in there and get the stuff I need to take care of business so I can help protect citizens and and and, and my family and, you know, and all that. But like. I don't need to own guns right now. The NRA is full of shit. Like, you know, like <laughs> I love guns. I know how to shoot them. I, you know, but I don't need them. I have a samurai sword. That's about all I need right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's what, like when everybody, every kid is born, um, they should be issued a sword okay, <laughs> or some kind of knife. <laughs> okay. And then we should be go through like, like the first, like, 10 years of our lives learning how to wield a blade. <laughs> it just evens the playing field, you know, <laughs> makes it fair. <laughs> Not just walking into a school with a gun and shooting up everybody. That's, there's no honor in that, you know, like, it's just, that's ridiculous, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm going off on that, but, uh, but yeah, the whole right and wrong thing and, and, and all that there's, and, and with religions and, and stuff, you know, it's just, it's, there's so many different things going on in our world and there's so many different belief systems. I think it's, it's cool when I meet people that are into a particular belief, whether it's atheism or even, you know, uh, Christianity, if they go about their daily lives and don't like force people to see their, um, to, to think how they do, you know, like, you can't like force someone to think how you can do, but if you're open-minded, you can learn as much as you can about everything that's out there. Right. You know, and I think that's, that's, I think that's important. That's something I believe in. I, I'm not like any particular religion. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like, um, I, I'm just open. I'm open to, um, learning what's out there and whether that's, if it's science or if it's faith or if it's some kind of deity or something, you know, I'm not going to dismiss it if if I'm standing there and I'm like, you know, doing some random thing and, you know, all of a sudden some kind of spirit or thing appears to me and says, this is what's going on. I'm going to be like, all right, that's cool with me. <laughs> I gotcha. <laughs> I'm like, I. it's almost like I expected something like this, you know, but. At the same time, I mentioned earlier, too, like I'm into psychedelics. So you learn a lot of things about like how your consciousness kind of works and you learn to accept things that may or may not um, be in this realm. They, they may not be in this three dimensional universe that we know of as our reality. You know, there's there's 
lots of other things going on beyond our reality. So we can't dismiss everything and just stick to one thing. Um, crap. What else we got? <laughs> Do you have anything more? Like, I, I want to hear some more. We, we've got a little bit of time left. It's, it's getting close. But uh, if you have any words of wisdom, definitely, like, let's let those people know out there. And, you know, as, as far as the. Uh, um, well, yeah, just go ahead, man, if you got something. <laughs> OK, um, I, I think one of the things um, you, you, you mentioned, you know, a, um, you know, if, you know, a, you know, deity or some other being just appeared to you. And um, that actually got me reminded of, you know, a question that, you know, I often get asked, you know, because, you know, I do talk about, you know, having, you know, direct experiences and conversations with my deities and whatnot. And, you know, and, you know, you know, people constantly ask me, you know, particularly of the atheist persuasion, you know, well, how do you know all of that's any any of that is real? You know, how do you know it's not just all in your head? And, you know, and of course, you know, my, 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 my first answer is, is, well, for starters, you're giving my imagination way too much credit in my opinion. <laughs> so, so, so some of these, the, the things that, you know, my deities come up with and say to me, I just, I, I have a hard time that just my, you know, own brain just, you know, comes up with them all on its own. I just, I, I have a hard time believing that. Um, but on the flip side, I don't think it really matters. Hmm. Um, you know, because, you know, one of the things, and this is something that, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, because they're used to that authoritarian religion of, you know, say, you know, um, and I, I don't really want to pick on Christians, but, you know, and I will specifically narrow it to. Um, it's so easy, yeah, though. I, 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 <laughs> they make yeah, it so easy. <laughs> I, I, I will, I will, you know, um, narrow my statement to only talk about the the two branches of conservative Christianity that, you know, I feel comfortable making this statement about because I know it's true for both of them. And that's evangelical Christianity and Catholicism. You know, they are both mm. very authoritarian and, you know, this idea that, you know, you know, you know, and they, they have this very strong idea of, you know, the God, or in the case of the Catholic church, you know, the church said it and that settles it. And that's that. Um, right. That's not how my gods operate. That's not how my gods operate. You know, they do not expect slavish obedience. They don't expect me to, you know, check my critical thinking skills at the door just because they said something, you know. Mm. And um, a a as a result, and part of that is, is because, you know, I think our experience of God is filtered through our, through ourselves, you know. So it is not, you know, necessarily what I would call, you know, a pure, direct, you know, divine revelation. It's okay, you know my own state of mind and my own, you know, preconceived notions and my own biases influence what I hear and, you know, what I perceive, you know, my God saying, is saying to me um, mm -hmm. and the messages that they give me. Um, but the thing is, is I do apply critical thinking to those and I look at it and say, okay, what kind of messages am I getting? You know, um, to borrow some Christianese, you know, what are the fruits of these messages? You know, if if I listen to these messages and act on them, you know, will the world be a better place? You know, will I be more compassionate? You know, will someone else, you know, benefit from that and maybe he have a better life because of it? You know? Hmm. And my answer is, is, you know, if if the answer to those questions are yes, does it really matter whether, you know, it literally was a God who spoke to me. Hmm. 
So I don't get too hung up on that. And again, you know, I know witches who are atheists. I know people from a lot of traditions and practices and religions, including Christianity, who are actually atheists. They don't believe in a literal deity, but they have found a message in that religion that they think is worth embracing. You know, whether or not, you know, the God, you know, behind, you know, who is allegedly behind that message really exists. And that, you know, dovetails back into what I was saying earlier about I, I care much more about, you know, values than I do, you know, um, you know, beliefs, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and, you know, and I will say that, you know, witchcraft tends to be orthopraxic. I'm not sure if you've ever heard that term before or not. Hmm. Um. Um, orthopraxic or orthopraxy means a focus on practice, you know, and it's okay. as opposed to orthodoxy, which is focused on correct belief. Mm. So the difference yeah. between belief and practicing, yes, it, it, yes. like saying and or, or thinking and, and doing. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and I have, you know, been in circles practicing witchcraft with people who have very different understandings of what exactly the gods are and what their nature is than I do. And we can do that because we have a common practice. We've decided this is the ritual we're going to do. This is how we're going to perform it. And if we interpret exactly what some of it means or, you know, how some of it works slightly differently, that's okay. Yeah. So. That, yeah, that's good. That's, I like that. It's like, uh, I don't know. Kind of, <laughs> I'm at a loss. It just, it just, it's, it's very, it's, yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's, it's relieving because there's so many people out there that are like, you know, one way or another or, or, yeah. or belief, but it's like, you know, it's, it's good to know that there's just, you don't have to be like that. You know, you don't have to, you know, be a particular way or believe a certain thing, but like, do what you feel and 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 practice what you preach kind of thing i guess yeah. right uh, yeah so that's uh, yeah that's good man um i'm trying to think if i have any other stuff to ping your brain about um we're kind of running up on time here but uh wow so much information <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's almost it's like uh something i was thinking of a little bit ago when when you were talking about the uh well i should have been making notes while you, while you were talking because the first thing i i thought of and i kind of want to ask real quick is like when you say it's like a northern european or or like um the the practice like is like i love the show vikings like I fell in love with that show because I hadn't seen a whole lot of stuff. I mean, I've, I've read about Viking stuff or ever. And, but seeing that show kind of gave me like 
some different ideas about it. I think it was more or less the characters and the way they portrayed them and things that I, that I enjoyed. Um, and not really, it it made me want to look more into their history because I know obviously it's a TV show and it's not all like, you know, taken directly from history books and, and actual belief systems and, and, and all that. But there was enough there, I think that inspired me to want to learn about that. And, and there was, uh, there was an episode where they were using mushrooms, um, to basically like kind of go into like another realm or, you know, like, uh, I don't know if they were just using it as, as part of a ceremony to, to get high or if they were just enjoyed it. But uh, there seemed to be a lot, a lot of stuff going on. But the thing that I, it made me think of was like, I don't think those kinds of mushrooms actually grew in those areas. Like, so that was kind of weird. And I think I looked it up briefly and, and it was like, I think there's some types of psychedelic mushrooms that grow in those areas, but they weren't, uh, they weren't the ones that they were they were using that you could just easily pick off the ground and and dry you. I think you have to like prepare because they're mostly poisonous. I think is, okay is what I was looking at. But uh, but that was interesting because I, I like whenever I'm seeing a TV show and they bring up something that has to do with like plant medicine or entheogens or right. you know psychedelics. You know I'm like, is this real? Like is that is that what happened in history? You know because <laughs> I'll never forget when I was pretty little I was, I was probably like between 10 and like 15 and i was talking to my dad and i said something about about belief systems or, or or something like that and he actually straight out came out and told me that he said well when um these ancient indigenous people like thousands of years ago ate mushrooms they were able to talk to their god and stuff and find out things and whatever. And I forget verbatim what he said, but it, it's something that always remained in my head is like eating mushrooms and like seeing God or, or, you know, basically what he meant, I think was like, you, you eat these mushrooms and you trip and you will, you know, go deeper into your consciousness and things will come to you. And, and now through my studies and, and, uh, and research shows that like thousands of years ago or even farther, like these things like the, uh, the, the site natural plant medicines or psychedelics of our planet could have been the reasons why us as a species, a- as humans have evolved. Like they could have been a key element back to when we were like cavemen and like we were looking for food and we found these mushrooms and then all of a sudden it gave us ideas, you know, right. that were so astounding that were like not stuff that we normally would think of when we're just out there hunting for food and doing whatever, you know, it gave us ideas on, on how to think, you know, like what to believe and, and what we can do with our lives and, and they're like this, this like key to our evolution. And so that's always like got me interested in, in that whole thing and, and about, us as humans and how we have progressed into all these different things that, you know, where we are today, you know, with, with all of our religions and all of our belief systems and our politics and, and the way we live, you know, like the, the things that 
are driving us crazy today in our modern technologically advanced world are the going to the office and working a nine or eight to 10 hour job, you know, in a cubicle typing on a keyboard, you know, when a thousand years ago, we weren't doing that kind of stuff and we were fine. Now we have all kinds of mental illnesses and, and, and anxiety and depression and all these things, you know, because we're constantly on the go, like go, 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 succeed, succeed, succeed. We got to keep doing what we got to do to make the money and do all this stuff. So it's like, I think by kind of going back to some of those older traditions that indigenous people have uh, still been practicing in like South America and whatnot um, of using things like psychedelics in ceremony um, and, and working to help the community and not just ourselves and being selfish and, you know, pushing forward for our own gains, but doing things so that we can help each other out. I think that's some of the things that I think will help our society. And that's what I think, um, you know, the past 40 years or so of the the war on drugs Mm. has set us back as far as the research goes and, and as far as the ways that we can treat people with mental illness and, 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 you know, autism and all kinds of things, you know, we can, hopefully we get back on track with, with all this stuff. And, and I think as far as with the, the religions and, and all that, and, and like the things that you're doing, I think are great. Like, I, I think it's, it shows you, I don't know. I, I, I think it's great because it's, it's something that like, from what you've told me, it seems like it helps you keep that open mind and it keeps you believing, you know, and, and faithful in humanity that we can be more empathetic and more, you know, caring towards others and things. And I think that's something that I have gotten out of this conversation at least is that, you know, it's not, you know, witchcraft is not this demonized thing, this, you know, the stigma has been there and and planted just like with mental illness that, you know, if someone was autistic 50 years ago, they may give them a lobotomy or lock them up in an insane asylum, you know, and, and the same thing with witches and stuff like that, like hundreds of years ago in this country, when we were first being founded, they were having the, the witch burnings and, and, and things like that. When, you know, there may have been other aspects of that. They may not have been even into witchcraft. They may have just been someone who had like a mental illness mm-hmm. or something, but they didn't know how to treat it. So they called him a witch because of Christianity and evil and all this stuff. And, you know, <laughs> so it's just a lot of different areas and a lot of yeah. cool things to think about. Um, so. one, one, one pedantic point, um, witches were never burned in the United States. They were either oh. they were either hanged or crushed. Ooh, yeah. Um, burning was more of a European thing, um, <laughs> and I believe a continental European thing. I think even in England, hanging was the more common um, mm. punishment for for oh. those accused well, and convicted of witchcraft. Um, not that you know one form of killing is necessarily better. You know, at least from a moral standpoint. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely, you know, a good clarification, yeah. you know, because it's like, once again, there's rumors and there's yeah. the things that have been passed down through rumors for, for generations yeah. and, and all that, you know, the Salem witch trials and, and, and all these things that, that show was really good. I liked it. The, 
there was a show called Salem, I think a few years ago. I heard of it. Um, I have not yet watched it. Um, there, there's a number of shows very, I need to watch. Um, <laughs> yeah, you should check that out yeah, and get back to me. Let me know how close yeah, it is to anything that you've learned. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it was very, it was very dramatic. <laughs> you know, um, you know, um, you know that that's a whole different topic that we didn't get time to talk about, and maybe someday we ought to go over that one too. Sometime is, um, you know, um, you know popular culture of representations of witches and yeah, witchcraft yeah. and um that would know, be good um you know that would make some good yeah. content because at least we'd be like comparing things and 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 putting putting the the some of the rumors to bed you know like yeah. saying that like this is what the majority think and you know if you have other info yeah from your researches, you know, research and all that, we can like kind of, you know, that'd be really cool. You know, um, you know, for, well, well, for one example, you know, um, since it has come out recently, um, I liked the craft legacy much better than I liked the original movie, the craft, hmm. you know, and um, I, I thought that they made some changes to the second movie that were just absolutely amazing. And um, I don't hate the craft either. You know, um, I, I, I think that, you know, you have to go into that movie and most movies, you know, understanding what it's really showing and, you know, where some things may be accurate, but a lot of it is very inaccurate. And, you know, yeah. And, um, you know, and of course, you know, and that, that that's the other fun thing we can talk about on that is, is, you know, just, you know, the, the unrealistic expectations, particularly the first movie gave a lot of young teenagers, you know, who suddenly wanted to, you know, flood the, um, you know, Wiccan and Witch, um, you know, chat forums on the internet, you know, wanting to find out, you know, how how to do that spell to change their hair color or their eye color. And um, and what's interesting to me is, is my views <laughs> of, you know, teenagers running in and asking those kinds of questions has changed very much. Um, you know, at the time, you know, I was very annoyed with those questions and, you know, was probably a bit mocking of the ones who asked those questions. And, you know, as <laughs> I've gotten older and even, you know, wiser and even a little more mellow, you know, I've, I've, I've looked back at that and said, you know, if I were to, you know, run into such a person today, how I would respond to them would be very different. Um, hmm. And, you know, like I said, that that might be another fun, interesting conversation if we ever do, you know, get back together to talk about, you know, witchcraft depictions and popular culture. Yeah. That so, would, yeah, definitely. That would be really good. Um, well, I think we do need to wrap up okay. here, unfortunately. It's uh, it's it's been great talking to you and, and yes. getting to talk to you for the first time and, and meeting you here. So again, thank you for uh, having me. It's been a great conversation. The Internet's a wonderful place. <laughs> it's like you can... <laughs> It's, it's reaching out across the globe to people that you never knew or thought you would meet. And <laughs> here you are. <laughs> so um, let's see. Do you want to give a um, tell anybody where to find you on social media? That's usually a thing that we do, but or, or shout out your uh, your YouTube channel and things like that. Um, yes. Um, the, the best place to find me is actually on Twitter. Um, I'm Jared H. Um, that's um, J-A-R-R-E-D-H, obviously. Um, I do have a YouTube chat channel where I talk about um, witchcraft and um, particularly pagan theology, because as I said, I am a theistic witch. I am a witch who does believe in gods. And um, 
you know, and my belief in gods is central to my particular practice of witchcraft. Um, the name of the channel is A Weird Worker's Wisdom. Um, weird is spelled W-Y-R-D. And um, I have checked, and, you know, if you just search that in the YouTube search, my channel does come up. So, um, other than that, I'm on a couple of other, I'm, I have accounts on a couple of other social media sites, but I don't really use them. So, Twitter or the YouTube channel are really your best bet to find me if you're looking for me. All right. Great. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I watched one of your videos recently, like just because you shit, you, you told me about it and then I went and checked out one of them. Okay. And now I'm wondering which one it was. I think it was the, uh, uh, I forget. I got it pulled up here. Uh, I don't want to name all of them. We're running short, short on time, but, uh, yeah, everybody out there check, check out his YouTube. Um, let's see. And I want to give a shout out real quick to at Tayrell seven one three. He's a host of the Stays Crunchy and Milk podcast. Um, he was on my last episode that you'll be hearing pretty soon, probably before this episode that you're listening to right now comes out, because I still have to edit it and get it out there because we just recorded the other day. Um, so yeah, um, I think that's a that's a wrap. Um, Thanks, man. Thanks again for being on here. I appreciate you coming on here um, and sharing uh, your wisdom about these things. I definitely look forward to learning more from you. Um, if you want to be on again, you're you're definitely welcome to be on here and we can work out a time and, and a date and all that. And and yeah, get this information out there to the people that uh, hopefully will be interested because I'm interested. <laughs> thank you. I And again, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope that your listeners enjoy it as well. Yeah, thanks, man. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Uh, thanks to all the people that are supporting the show so far. And uh, if you want to find us, we are on Twitter, at WormFestPod, and Instagram, and, and all that. And there's a website, the link tree at, or linktr.ee, forward slash wormhole underscore manifest. Uh, I need to get a regular www dot <laughs> website soon, <laughs> but that'll work for now. Um, Jared, thanks again, man. Uh, everybody out there, thank you for listening and tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for more interesting episodes where we will hopefully be um, covering lots of other cool content that, uh, that I'm interested in and hopefully you are too. Um, and hopefully we can... Um, if there's any issues out there, oh, I, I want to definitely tell everybody out there, I want to make it prominent that if anybody out there is ever feeling so far gone and at the end of the rope or the bottom of the hole or whatever, if you ever feel like harming yourself, please don't. Please, um, there's a number you can call and I can post it on the link to the site. Um, and, and I did on the last episode, it, it's not worth it. You are worth it more. Your life matters. And I care about you. I have been there. And I don't want to see anybody else feel how I felt then. So please um, do not hurt yourself. You matter. You matter to me. You can email me or message me. I am more than happy to talk to anyone who is suffering from depression or anxiety or any kind of other mental health issues. Um, 
you're not alone. That is the thing. You are not alone. So please reach out because there's people that care and, and yeah, you're not alone and I can do whatever I can to get you through this. (laughs) So hang in there, everybody. Thank you for listening. Jared. Thanks again, man. Thank you. 